the blood of Jesus. 2,000 years ago, you had you in your mind. You had us on your mind. That the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross. The joy that was set. What joy would it be to be massacred, to be whipped, to be purged, to be skin ripped off your body, to be whipped, to be speared, to put crowns on thorns on your head, to be nailed to a tree. Where's the joy in that? But he said, but the joy that was set before you. In other words, there was going to be a joy after when he would resurrect and he would make us children. He would redeem his family and that every accusation against us would be removed. That's the joy. We thank you for the cross of Calvary. That the name of Jesus be lifted up in our hearts right now. Thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit in this room today. Today is the day of our salvation. That we can joy, rejoice, and be glad in what he's done for us. Jesus come to set the captives free and heal the brokenhearted. So we thank you. We testify that we are free to We thank you, Lord Jesus. That you would never leave us nor forsake us. At this point in time of our life, Father, we can only say thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Kids can go to the kids' room. Thank you, girls. Bless you today. Welcome. Good to see you in church today. I know it's a long weekend. I know we're not going to mention Parramatta once or twice or three times. But it's an honor to be with you again. I never take it for granted when I'm asked to share or when I'm sharing or when God puts on our heart. I think it's, a, it's, an, honor, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to share the word of God and be a part of what God's doing in these last days, amen? Because we are living in the last days, amen? If it was the last days when Jesus rose from the dead, how much more now? <laughs> Hallelujah. But we don't walk by fear, we walk by faith. Too many Christians are walking by their sight. They're work, walking by their circumstances. They're walking by what they perceive should be happening or what is happening. They, they walk by a place in them where if it's inbuilt inside them from, from their youth or their, 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 they, they go by what they see and then they determine what God's doing by what they see instead of what the Word of God says. There's an old preacher who used to say, I'm not moved by what I see or feel. In other words, I'm not moved by what's happening around me or the things that are happening to me. I'm only moved by what the Word of God says. That's faith. And sometimes we, we say, you've got to have faith. We've got to walk in faith. We've got to walk by, by faith and not by sight. But we've got to understand what does he mean by walking by faith and what faith is it that we walk by? He hasn't left us blind. He hasn't left us orphans. He hasn't left us in a position where just trust me by faith, you know. I don't walk with Jesus because I'm just blind. I say, well, it must be true. No, no. There's evidence according to his word. See, I don't go outside his word. My experiences are great. I can sit here and tell you the next two hours, experiences I've had with the Lord and experiences that God has used me to pray for people and experiences that God shared with me. But my experience does not change you. It's the word of God that changes you. We testify who Jesus, you know, the apostle John says, we tell you not by just he say, we testify by what we have seen and what we have heard. And Jesus says, but blessed are those who believe and do not see. So you guys are blessed because you believe, but you have not seen. So today I want to share about the enemy has been disarmed. Now, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been, lack of a better word, 
I've believed things in my early days which I don't believe anymore. Now, what I mean by that, I always believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I always believe the blood of Jesus redeems me. I believe every curse has been broken. I believe that Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers. That's what we're going to talk to. But sometimes we want to go outside and start believing things that are not really scriptural or misunderstood or circumstances change you. And then my experience determines my theology. In other words, what I'm believing today for is not what I was believing 20 years ago for because I didn't have an understanding. You see, someone said to me once, don't, um, don't pray for people to be healed because if they don't get healed, you break their heart and their hearts get broken and they get disappointed. I said, well, that's a great theory, but that's not biblical. First of all, I said to the girl, don't pray for healing. So don't give them any hope. And the Bible says hope deferred makes a heart go sick. I said, well, can I ask you a question? She goes, yeah. You're worried about someone not getting healed. What if they do get healed? Yeah, but, you know, we had a guy once. He was a man of God, and they prayed for him. He died, and everyone lost faith. I go, well, then your faith was in the miracle, not in Jesus Christ. I said, because do you preach the gospel every week? Yes. Does everyone get saved? No. Then don't preach anymore, because what if you preach and no one gets saved? See, my job isn't to bring the manifestation of anything. My job is to preach truth and let God do the manifestation. So my circumstances doesn't change what the Word of God says. The Bible says Jesus is my healer. Whether I'm sick and dying in the grave or where I'm standing, he's my healer. And I'll confess that to the day I die. Amen. He's my redeemer. See, the gospel changes people. But how many times do you share the gospel and someone struggles? Oh, well, don't stop preaching the gospel. It's not working. Your circumstance in your life and what you're going through does not determine the Word of God. The Word of God determines what we go through. Now, He wants us to grow in faith. He wants us to be led by faith. He wants us to fight the good fight of faith. Are you with me? Doesn't matter what else the circumstances, but we need to know the victory. See, we got to come out of a place of victory, not trying to get victorious. Too many of us are walking behind and hoping and maybe and not knowing what Jesus has already done. On the cross, and we're going to discuss this today. So let's go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. The familiar scripture, and this is Paul speaking to the Colossian church, and he's saying, You have been dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Does it say some of your trespasses? Does it say a few of your trespasses? It says, He has forgiven. Everything. A trespass is something that you have broken. When someone's trespassing on your property, means he's breaking and entering. He's, this, he's in where he shouldn't be. Next verse. Having wiped out the hand writings of the requirements that was against you, which was contrary to us. This is speaking of the law. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to a cross. Here he's talking about, go back one step, please. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. The handwriting against us was the law. If you want to drop it down, Ten Commandments. Can everyone, anyone keep them here? Imagine, imagine God giving you a law that you, he knows you can't keep. I'll give you the Ten Commandments and all right, keep them. But if you break one, you're breaking them all. That's a bit hard. What do I need to do now? So it was hand requirements that have been wiped away. Now, this doesn't just refer to the Ten Commandments. refers to the whole Torah, the whole Jewish law, sacrificial law. Okay? Next verse. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them. This is what we're going to talk about today. He has disarmed. When an army goes into another country to fight, once they've disarmed them, what's happened? They surrender. He's disarmed principalities and powers. The word here, principalities and powers, is the same word used that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, evil forces in, in high places. Talking about the demonic structure of the world, kingdom of, of, of Satan. Satan and all his demons, that's put it simply. Tonight you're going to be free. Because the only power the devil has got is the power that you want to give him as a believer. The only power he has over you is what he uses legalism against you. In other words, he knows the law better than you know the law. 
But if you don't understand what Christ has done for you, he can trick you into believing you're not free, you're not saved, you're bound, you're under curses. And you know what? He's only trying to deceive you because all he's got is deception. And we're going to see this tonight. That he made a public spectacle. In other words, he's triumphant. Where did all this happen? Paul's using an analogy here. Just like Paul, Paul was a Roman. Just like he used in Ephesians about the, 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 the armor of God. He used a Roman's armory, the helmet, the breastplate, the belt, the shoes, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. It was, it was a, a picture of a Roman soldier, and he used that analogy to show us that we have the armor of God. So Paul was familiar with Roman attire because Paul was a Roman citizen. Remember the time he got arrested? They were going to just throw him in prison. And he said, hang on, I'm a Roman. I've got rights. He goes, oh, we didn't know you were a Roman. They got him out of jail real quick because they had rights. They couldn't just trial the guy and put him in jail. So he knew. So now here he's using this, this analogy. And what used to happen, the Roman soldiers would go and conquer a land or go fight an enemy. And when they would win, and the, the, the leader of the army, the general, would come back. And what they would do, they would parade them through the city. And what they would do, they put him in a chariot with a white horse. And what he would do was he would sit on there and they would, the horse would take him around the city and people would be cheering how he walked in triumphantly. He was triumphantly. He won the battle. And behind him would have been the people they caught, maybe the king from that, from that town or that kingdom, uh, maybe their livestock, you know, maybe animals that didn't exist in, in Rome. They exist. And they would parade them and they would make a public, they would do a ticket tape parade, just like Paris is going to do this afternoon, and they hold the shield. And there would be a ticket tape parade. But what they would do, they would, everyone they caught from that kingdom would be paraded around and shown off that we are the victors. Well, Paul's using the same analogy here with Jesus when he died on the cross. They thought they'd won, he was buried, they thought they'd had him. And then Jesus came and wakes up and says, You know what? Death cannot hold me. Takes the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he now he beats them all in the unseen realm. That three days he was down. And what did he do? He got them by the nose, put her, and he paraded them around saying, This is. And he walked around and showed off. I've won the victory. I've won. And Paul's showing this analogy that he's disarmed principalities and powers. In other words, he made a public because of what? Because of the cross. I want to show you this in a couple of scriptures. Now, we look at that now and say Jesus has paraded him. He's declared he's the winner. And yet, now he's given his authority to us, the church, and yet we walk around defeated. Because the devil's only on parole at the moment. And he's calling as much havoc as possible. Why? He knows the end is coming. So we're going to look at this and how he defeated him. So we know that the cross defeated him. But there's two things that... Jesus had to do. One of the things the devil has on you is guilt. I'm going to talk about two things tonight. Guilt. The second one was the law. He abolished the law unto righteousness. Now, people get this mixed up and say, I'm under grace, not under law. You've heard that many times. No, 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 I don't go by the law. I go by grace. And it's true. You're saved by grace and not by works, should any man boast. It means you're saved because of the precious blood of Jesus. You put your faith in that you are saved. But the law is not abolished out of the Bible or out of our life. It's just abolished according to righteousness. We do not become righteous because we keep a set of laws. We don't become righteous because we don't eat pork or we don't murder or we don't steal. They are fundamental foundations for society. They are fundamental foundations and, and boundaries that we have because that's the nature of God. But if I break one law, I've broken them more. So how can that make me righteous? But Jesus fulfilled the law, the Bible says, and abolished the law unto righteousness. In other words, I don't get any brownie points if I don't murder. I hate this all the time. I tell you, I'm not a bad person. I don't murder. I don't steal. So you want an award for that? If you don't break the speed limit on the freeway, you expect a, like a little badge? I traveled down the M4 and never broke the law. You're meant to keep the law. You're meant to abide by God's rules. But the law was given to show you that you need a saviour. So why would you give someone a law he can't keep? Well, it was a mirror, the Bible says, or an image to show us who we are. This is God's standard. I can't meet that standard. Oh, what am I going to do? And then Jesus comes 
who is the standard, who dies on the cross for me, takes my sin that I couldn't pay for, and he pays for it to give me his life, and now I've fulfilled the law. Amen? So the first thing he takes away from the devil is legal right against you. Every time the Bible says that he's the accuser of the brethren, a lot of the times you're getting accused by the devil, you didn't pray enough today, or you drank yesterday, or you lied yesterday, and these accusations come and hit you. Are we meant to do that? No. But what he does is he points the finger to go back to the law. But what Jesus stands up and says, yeah, but they're part of me. My blood's washed them. You have no right over them. No legal right. That's the first thing. The second one, or the second one in reverse is guilt. You might say, I'm not a Jew. True. I didn't grow up under the covenant of the Jewish law. True. But you're still under the guilt of Adam. When Adam sinned, sin entered, we entered in that guilt. And I often say this to people, oh, I don't, I don't have to pay for Adam's sin. All right, don't. Have you ever sinned? Yes, well, you pay for yours then. But the guilt factor is what kills us and cripples us. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's two things that he had to disarm. Once we understand that we're no longer guilty, we have been redeemed by the blood and we've been found innocent. Can someone say amen? The verdict is in. The courts of heaven have come in. The devil's come and brought Tammy's sin and my sin and Janet's sin and, and Renee's sin and brought them up and said, look, this is your people. That's what your law says. You gave them the law. You put it out there. They've broken it. And then the, the judge stands up because that's true. And then our, our prosecutor gets up. Jesus, the intercessor, goes, yeah, but this is my blood. I already paid for it. And those things don't paid for. Done. Finished. Wiped out. Out you go. You've been found innocent now. You have been justified because of the blood of Jesus. Just as if you have never sinned. Can someone say amen? If we don't understand that, forget everything else. Forget me praying for you. Forget you fasting. For you. you have to understand the fundamental foundation that he's won the victory. He has conquered and we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So he's taken away our guilt. He's disarmed the enemy of making us feel guilty. And he's disarmed the enemy about accusing us because of the law. So now he's disarmed in that area. So what's the next thing? And I want to show you this. The devil, Jesus didn't just come to die to wipe away our sin, and he did that. He didn't just come to redeem us back to the Father because it was, he did that. There's a lot of things that happened on the cross, and hopefully next week I can get into a bit more. I call it the great exchange. The cross was the great exchange. That when the Son of Man came, became the Son of, Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of God, became the Son of Man. And he took the crossbar. So the, the vertical is heaven comes to earth. The, the crossbar is the Adam who fell to the future. And in the middle is Jesus taking past, present, and future sins. And he was suspended between heaven and earth on that cross to pay to reconcile heaven and earth by his blood. We'll talk about that next week. I just want to show you something. There's a couple of things I picked up. So, guys, if you don't mind, we'll go to John chapter 12, and then we'll go back to the other one. John chapter 12, verse 27. I'll get my water quickly. Now, Jesus is teaching and preaching, and he says, My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come, come to this hour. Next verse. Father, glorify your name. Look what he says, Jesus. He says he's troubled now. He's starting to understand now. It's getting a bit close and he knows what's coming. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Next verse. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said he had, he, that he had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answers and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw people to myself. He says it's now time for judgment. And then the, the world will be judged. Remember we had the fan here a couple of weeks ago? That the world's already judged and, sorry, condemnation already in the world. And Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world because the world already stands condemned. Remember the fan? 
The fan speaks of condemnation from the minute of Abraham, uh, Adam's sin. Every human came after that, broke the law, and the fan was blowing. And, the, and no matter every generation, no matter what they tried to do, they were under condemnation. And then Jesus appears from a virgin, stands up, gets on a cross, and he stands in the middle of the condemnation. And he, became, he gets condemned, dies on a tree. Guess what? He blocks condemnation because the world already stands condemned. But I'll come to give you life. Come to save you from condemnation. He says, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. Because the world already stands condemned. Don't look at me and say, I'm coming to judge you. You're already judged. The remedy for this judgment, the, re the remedy for this condemnation is me. And I'm going to pay for it. And I'm going to give you my life. He's going to take my life. And he's going to give us his life. Amen. And here he's saying, it's time now. Judgment. I've made a decision. We're going to break the power of the enemy. It's interesting here. He says, if I be lifted up. And then he says, go back one step, sorry. He goes, glorify my name in heaven. I'll, both, I'll have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Next verse, again, sorry. Therefore, the people who stood, go next verse, sorry. Go again. Yeah, and I'll be lifted up from the earth and I will draw all people unto me. Now, let's go to John chapter 3 and 12. I want to show you something here. Jesus has always been attributed, if you look at Jesus' teachings, Jesus said, I am the bread of. He says, I am the light of the. I am the way, the truth. And you get the picture. I'm the land. I'm the great. I'm the good shepherd. And we go, all the nice stuff, eh? Bread, water, uh, a lamb, uh, a good shepherd, a king, a priest, a rabbi, a teacher. All the nice things. True? Look what he says here. If I have to... If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Talking about to Nicodemus here. No one has ascended to the heaven but the one who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Isn't it interesting? He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man be lifted up. And just a quick backdrop. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent. Who knows the story about the serpents in the desert? They were mur murmuring, complaining. And we read that as if, oh, Lord, we're going around the mountain again. Oh, Lord. No, no, they were cursing and they were complaining and they were defiling and blaspheming God. It wasn't just, here we go again. Not that type of memory. We get this idea that we just go, oh, here we go. Tony wants to tell dumb jokes again. Not that type of memory. Snakes will come and bite you. Or eels, anyway. They were blaspheming God. So God says, okay, if you think I'm that bad, and you think I'm that terrible, you don't think I'll look after you? He lifts his hand. Guess what? Snakes come and bite them. They start dying. And they know, the people of Israel, they know that the reason why they're getting bitten and dying is because they complained and murmured and pointed their finger at God. So they ran to Moses and said, please pray that this stops. So God says to Moses, I'll tell you what you do. You're getting bitten by snakes. I want you to build a bronze serpent, which is a stick with a serpent on it. Build it and stick it up. And every time someone gets bitten, if they look upon that serpent, Look upon the, the, uh, the, the, the spear and the serpent, I'll be healed. And that's what happened. Isn't it interesting? That's the Old Testament. And then Jesus uses that same analogy. I go back to 14. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God, the bread of life, the manna from heaven. The... Here, he's referring to himself as a snake. But isn't the snake reference to the devil? Isn't the snake unclean? Isn't the serpent is referring to Lucifer and the Hisar and the deceiver? The serpent is not clean. The serpent itself is not a devil, but the serpent represents the dark world. True? Here he's saying, I'll be just like that. What is he talking about just like that? What is he on about when he says, I'll be lifted up like Moses lifted up? What happened in the desert? They were rebellious out of God's will. He goes, but make a serpent, put it up. The serpent represents the cross. The cross is the stick. And the, and, and the snake represents the devil and all his works. And what happens? He pierces the, kills the snake on a cross. 
Which means that on the cross, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. Are you with me? So Jesus didn't only just pay for my sin and your sin. He took the power of the devil, the snake, if you will, and got pierced on that cross. And that way, whoever looks upon the cross shall be healed. Can someone say amen? Because now we walk by faith and not by sight. True? We are saved by grace and not by works. Why? Jesus said, I'll be lifted up. What did he mean? He goes, I'll draw people unto me. When I get lifted up on that cross and I'm hanging on that cross and every time I look upon that cross, just like they got healed in the wilderness from a snake bite, now you can be healed from the devil's tactics of your life, every power the devil had over your life, every sin that you've committed, everything that you've done wrong, every vow that you have made, it can be all washed away and cleansed by the blood of Jesus because he got lifted up. There's no other way to salvation but the cross of Calvary. Come on. Ah, oh, but you Christians, okay, no, 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 it's not about Christian. Christianity doesn't get you to heaven. Listen to me. Christian church doesn't get you to heaven. Me speaking doesn't get you to heaven. It's only the blood of Jesus that shed it for my behalf so I can walk freely without guilt and shame. That's the only way I get to heaven. Because I want to come to him. Because my father in heaven sent his son to get me to come home, to get you to come home. So what lie are you believing now if they've been disarmed? What lie? He said, no one has ascended from heaven, but the one who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. See, the Bible says that we have now been seated in heavenly places now. Not later, now. Now we are the sons of God. Not later, now. Now we have the authority of Christ. Not later, now. So in other words, everything that is pertaining to life, Christ has given us through the cross. If I go outside the cross, if I try to add to the cross, if I try to subtract to the cross, I'm in error. I have to look upon the cross. The Bible says that who, who is crucified with Christ no longer lives. I don't live anymore. Every accusation the devil gets is bad like devil, I'm dead. I've been crucified with cross. I don't live anymore, but Christ lives in me. And the life now I live is in the faith of the Son of God. We need to get that idea that our life is not our own. We have been bought at a price. So if you know your enemy is defeated. Now, Paul talks a lot about the enemy and his strategies. The enemy needs a strategy. Why? He needs to get you into a place the Bible says he isolates you to your own destruction. He wants to get you into a wrong thinking mode. That's what the Bible says that don't conform to the pattern of this world because it's run by him, but be transformed by the renewing of your. So now it's up to you. So you have to renew your mind. The Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hands of God and he will exalt you in due course. Who's going to humble you, God or yourself? He says you humble yourself. It's up to us to die. It's up to us to get up and make a decision. You know what? I believe this word. I believe what he says. I believe, uh, Lord, you know what? The greatest prayer you can pray is, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because we all we've got some unbelief there. You have, to sit, you have to sit by yourself for an hour praying and you'll know how much unbelief you've got. <laughs> you, you'll know, I'm not a very prideful person. Get in the room and pray for an hour with your hands up and tell how much pride you've got. It just comes up. Just let me just whisper in you. That person doesn't like you. And see how much pride rise up in you. They don't like me. He doesn't like me. But we're dying daily to ourselves because we understand the devil's tactics is nothing but deception. Does he have power still? Yeah. He's been stripped because he says he'll be cast down. Where did he get cast down? He got cast down from a position of authority. See, when he tried to start a rebellion in heaven, God flicked him out of heaven. Then he deceived Adam and Eve, and the God says, on the belly, you should go, on the dust of the earth you shall eat. Speaking of the serpent, he's actually speaking to Lucifer and saying, I've stripped you of power, the only power you've got now is earthly. That's why he says, on the belly you should go, and from the dust of the earth you shall eat. In other words, you're going to eat from man. Man was made from dust. Then Jesus goes to the cross, and now he disarmed him now, stripped him of all legal right against us. The next one will be when he returns and throws him in the pit, and the final judgment is in the lake of fire. Hell, hell itself, hell, everyone in that, will be thrown in the lake of fire to burn for eternity. And the good news, you don't have to go there. Can someone say amen? He picks up the whole of hell. Because Jesus, hell couldn't keep him. There's a scripture, I haven't got it here, it just popped in my spirit. You know one that, oh, death, where is your sting? Who's heard that scripture, oh, death, where is your sting? 
I want to share something with you. Jesus, and there's something else. There's two things that, yes, Lord. Okay. All he's doing now, I'm just going to talk about this. Remember Jesus said, I'm like a kernel of wheat that falls to the ground. But if it doesn't fall to the ground and die, it abides on its own. In other words, do I have any blizzard? Just to have blizzard. A little seed. Inside that seed, there's life. There's the image of a tree, image of a plant, image of a cucumber. I love cucumber. I always bring cucumbers up every week. A cucumber. Al-Nabit. I don't like Al-Nabit. You know what Al-Nabit is? Don't worry about it. It's cauliflower. But in that seed, in the image of one seed, there's life inside it. But while it remains on its own, Jesus said, it benefits nothing. It stays one seed. But if it falls to the ground, into the dirt and dies, it opens up, guess what? Then it will multiply itself. You get the picture? A seed in, the, in your hand has the potential. You could have a, a seed of a gum tree. A little seed could end up being a 100-meter gum tree. But while it sits in your hand, in your possession, no good. But when it's sowed to the earth, when it's sowed to the ground, when it's given over and it dies, it will produce much fruit, yeah? This one here, let's go, before we go there, because I'm getting excited about this one. So the seed has life in it, has it not? Christ has made you free because of the seed of the word of God inside you. His incorruptible seed inside you, yeah? Why did Jesus, why was the devil, he, if he understood, if the devil understood, that's how dumb he is, if he understood what he was doing, he would never have crucified Jesus. Because not only would Jesus take away our sin and take away our guilt and take away the law that's written against us, he would also multiply himself. So now that the devil's fighting one Jesus, come on, can you, one Christ, now he's fighting another Christ-like and another Christ-like, another Christ-like, another. So now the devil hates people getting saved because he can't stop you going to heaven. But now that if you get a hang of this word, he's not just fighting Jesus because Jesus has conquered him. He's fighting all of us and we're walking like Christ-like. Why? Because he multiplied himself. If Jesus did not be sown into the earth and die, he couldn't multiply. The Son of Man came to multiply. The crucifixion comes for multiplication. He came to put his spirit in us. And my son, many years, a year ago or something, I heard this the other day. He asked me about fire. He goes, Dad, when the fire of the Holy Spirit falls on people, is there like more than one Holy Spirit? Because if he falls on my brother here, Yanni, and then he falls on Tammy, and then he falls on everyone, does that mean there's many Holy Spirits? He goes, no, son. I go, when you light a fire, it's one fire. True? And I put a stick in the fire, guess what? My stick's on fire, but it's from the one fire. Now get another stick and another fire. Two, three, four. It's the same spirit. But he goes through every individual person. Why? Because Christ can be multiplied. That's why he said, all authority I give has been given unto me, and I give it unto you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Don't preach your, your message. Preach the gospel. Why? Because the gospel can change people and set people free. And let everyone know that you are free and you're not bound anymore. You're not in jail anymore. There's a verdict came. The verdict is that you're innocent and Jesus is our Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to finish off with this. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The Bible says that everything was thrown at Jesus, physically and spiritually. And Jesus died. Now, to the physical senses, it's all over, yeah? Death is final. We believe as, as Christians, death is not final. But to the, the early church, to the apostles, who saw Jesus raise the dead, died. And here it says, oh, death, where is your sting? Have you ever seen a bee? Have you ever been stung by a bee? Thank God. Like <laughs> you don't like bees. You like honey? Yeah. Oh, then you like bees. All right, honey. I'm joking. But a bee stings you. But then the bee dies. The bee stings you. He gives everything he's got and he stings you. Then he dies. You know what the devil did? The devil is nothing but a bee. He stung Jesus. Guess who died? He did. Because Christ rose from the dead. Nothing could keep him in that grave. And he says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your power? Where is it? What have you got over me? Nothing. I'm the creator of life. 
See, Jesus put himself in a place to, to, to pay for man's sin. That He goes, well, if he's going to die, he's guilty. But he wasn't guilty of himself. He was guilty on our behalf. And then death couldn't hold him. Guess who rose him from the dead? The Holy Spirit came and said, come. Could not hold you. And he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. What does he do now? He comes up. And now he's the firstborn of many brethren, the Bible says. And the next person that gave his life to Jesus, I reckon it will be Mary. It was a woman. Praise God. Women say hallelujah. First woman's right. Mary saw him resurrected. Preached the first gospel of the resurrection. Mary did it. She was the firstborn of many brethren. Then Peter, the secondborn. And I'm making this up. But John, the thirdborn. And then the fourthborn. And then I'm number 500 born. Um, but it's a personal joke. You won't get it. He was the firstborn of many brethren, and every person who gives his life to Jesus is born of his spirit. And death has nothing on you. The devil has nothing on you, only what you give him. You have to get yourself in a place to understand what the Word of God really says about your life. And when I stand in the Word of God, I have my dark days, yes. Do I fall? Yes. Do I make mistakes? Yes. But keep on walking. Why? You're children of light and not children of darkness. Don't let the devil rob you anymore. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. He set us free. That the devil knew if he known, he wouldn't have crucified him. Because he robbed him of every artillery he had. Every bit of arsenal he had, he wiped it. So when the devil accuses him, accuses you to him, he says, oh, devil, they're under my blood and I stood in the gap. They're, and you know what? You're right. They're guilty. But I paid the price. Isaiah 53, he stands in the gap. He's our intercessor. He intercedes on our behalf. But how, how does he intercede Jesus? He doesn't say, God, um, look, forgive him because I love him. He stands there and in Christ, he sees me. He sees you. He sees my sin. He sees your sin already paid for on the cross. He says, the blood washes it. He says, I don't remember that sin. That person died 2,000 years ago. Any man being Christ is a new creation. Come on, somebody. Just get that. Just if you can understand that, you would walk with freedom. And who the sun sets free is. What do you believe tonight? What is it that you really believe? What is it that you really, really believe? What is it of your walk that you want? Because if it's all about, oh, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, that's awesome. At what point are you going to give, give, give back to him? Because he doesn't, there's nothing I can give Jesus. Is there, is there anything I really could give Jesus? He says, give me, doesn't even, there's no, Bible doesn't say give me your heart. There's nothing in the Bible that says Jesus wants your heart. No. The Bible says repent and believe. I change my mind and I preach the kingdom of God. Why? He's got a place for me in the heaven and on earth. I'm already seated with him at the right hand of the father as a son, as a daughter. I walk in the kingdom of God on this earth. That's why he says, you know what he says? Everywhere you walk is holy ground. You walk as children of light. The quickest way to get rid of darkness, walk in the light. The quickest way to get rid of darkness, turn the light on. But you are children of light. You say, that's easy, Tony. Easy for you. No, it wasn't. So I was willing to serve Jesus no matter what. Whether I have or haven't, I've served him when I've had abundance and I kept serving him when I had nothing. But either way, without him, there is no life. Without him, there is no life. Because I can't, I can't turn away from the fact that he has set me free. He'd be lifted up. And you know what? Sometimes we walk away from the cross. We see it's a nice message on Easter and Good Friday. But you have to live out of the cross. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because with that comes the resurrection power. Because if Jesus just stayed on the cross and died and never rose, we'd have a dead religion now. Paul even says it this way. Without the resurrection, and if there is no resurrection, we are the most pitiful of all humans. And what we believe is in vain. And go live your life the way you want because it's pointless. But we know there was a resurrection. Amen. We have we testified to this. Why? Because the Holy Ghost couldn't have come to us without the resurrection. That the price was paid on the cross and the power of God was manifested. You know what he said? I'll glory in my name and I'll glory 
my name again. Jesus rose from the dead. Death could not hold him. God is the God of light, the God of life, not the God of deadness. I want to share this with you in closing. If there was no, if, if Christ didn't fulfill everything on the cross and there was some unforgiven sins that weren't forgiven, the devil would have a right. If, if, if there was still guilt that I have to feel, you know, you better feel guilty about what you did, but hang on a second. Guilt doesn't bring me to repentance. The word of God brings me to repentance. You can get guilty and say sorry all you want. It doesn't change your life. But when I understand what he's done for me, guilt lifts off me. I can see clearly and I can lay down my life before him. And I, Lord, I need your help. See, it's all right to ask for help. It's all right to be struggling. Don't think that you're not, you haven't got faith if you struggle. Or don't think, no, this is a walk of faith. In other words, we're walking day by day, killing the flesh. What, am I, what I used to struggle with, I don't struggle with anymore. Have I got other struggles? Absolutely. But I understand to know that the devil's been defeated. See, we give too much credit for the devil. We've blamed the devil for everything, and sometimes it's just your flesh. Sometimes in the deliverance ministry, I was sharing with this, my brothers and sisters today, every demon I've ever cast out was never that, oh, you know, I saw a demon, I better go cast it out. Yeah, we'll make an appointment this week, come on, cast it out. It's all under the power of the anointing of God or the preaching of the word. I'm talking about me. Why? When the light comes, the darkness has to flee. Yeah, we have no grounds. So we should be multiplied. We should be able to walk in the light of God's word. There should be no darkness around you. And if you understand that he's been defeated, stop giving him any credit. We've been years ago trying to cast out devils out of people because they're struggling and it's their flesh. It's their confession. It's what they want. And then sometimes we, we blame, you know, go fix yourself up and stop. But we know it's a spirit. Sometimes your sickness is not a spirit. It's sickness on this fallen world. Sometimes things happen in your life and you just don't know why it happened. And, and there's no really reason for it to happen, but everyone's got free will. People make decisions. Sometimes other people's decisions affect us. Sometimes our decisions affect others. But we've got to understand that it goes back to neutral under the blood. So why should you live by your past mistakes? Or why should you live by your past experiences? Why should you live by your past traumas? Hey, I'm free. Today, the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm free. You can accuse me of my past. You don't know what you used to be like. Exactly. I used to be like that. Even if I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. So I'm going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. Because we're victorious, amen? We live out of victorious life. Stop believing the lie of the enemy. Start believing the God's truth about you. Jesus loves you. No, God doesn't love me. He sent his son to die 2,000 years ago for you, not even knowing that if you believe or not. There was no guarantee you and I were going to believe. He went anyway. In case one might get saved. He would have died just for one person. You know what? I'll go one step further. He would have died just because the father asked him to. He would have just went to that cross no matter what happened. He goes, don't you think I can call 10,000 angels now? Legions of angels? But my father, this is right that I do this. You know what? Even if no one came to Christ after the he would have went anyway because he loved the father. If someone's willing to die for that much, what are we prepared to do? Because he did it for us. So even if you didn't believe, he still did it anyway. Because the father asked him. Can we stand? Isn't that interesting? He would have went anyway. It didn't rely on Peter's faithfulness. It didn't rely on Judas. Like Judas, his best mate sitting next to him, um, you know, counting his money. He didn't care about if Mary believed or his brothers believed or his cousins believed. Even John the Baptist who prepared the way for the Lord. John the Baptist went to jail after he declared, he declared Jesus as the Lamb of God. He baptized him. Heaven opens up. God speaks. And even after that, he now he gets put in jail and he says, listen to this. He says to his disciples, go and ask him, is he the one or we have to wait for another? Hang on, man. You declared him by the Spirit. You baptized him by the Spirit. The Bible says that the heavens opened up and God spoke and you're still questioning if he's the one. Do you know why? When we get into a bad situation of circumstance in life, it's very easy to point our finger at, are you truly God? Do you really truly love me? So that's what John did. Look what Jesus says. He says, go back and tell John, the blind see, lame work, walk, or the lame walk, the dead 
the dead are raised and the kingdom of God is preached. And then he says this, blessed are you who does not get offended for my name's sake. Because John was offended. Gave his whole life for Jesus, ends up getting his head chopped off. He goes, blessed are those who are not offended for my name's sake. Because it's about Jesus. And sometimes in life, we feel like our head's getting chopped off. But maybe God's chopping the head of your authority and that he wants you to surrender your life back to him. Sometimes our head is where the mind is. It's where the carnal mind is. And he wants to chop it off. Why? Because Jesus said, I want to rest my head. And there's foxes have holes and birds have nests. But the son of man knows nowhere. To, God just wants, Jesus, the weight of God's mind and heart on his mind wants to lay it on his body, which is the church. It's us. Maybe we need to get our head chopped off, spiritually speaking. Maybe it's time for us to surrender. I shared on Wednesday night about the levels of God in the water in Ezekiel 47. And while I remain ankle high, while I remain knee high, while I remain waist high, I'm still in control. But when I get to the river where it's full, I have to swim. That means I submerge myself in his love and in his authority. And he takes me where he wants to go. Because let me tell you, 20 years doing this, man. I've done a lot of things my way. But I guarantee you, even if I feel like God's taking me to a hard road, I know it's going to be a better result than what I want. Trust me. That you can trust me on. That I can assure you ain't going to be easy. But hey, it's a lot better at the end. When you know how much the Father loves you, there is nothing the devil can do to you. When you understand how much the Father loves you, there's no spirit, there's no sorcerer, there's no witchcraft, there's no, come on, man, we, walk, we should be walking into the devil. The Bible says the kingdom of God, he goes, he goes, I will build my kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail. We're supposed to kick the gates of hell down, walk in there and get them out. Because we have the light. He's full of darkness. He's so deceived, you think he can win. But we are so, I won't say that, we can be deceived as well. But you are loved by the Father. And going back, if you could see the demonic realm, everyone talks about the spirit realm, oh, the spirit realm. You know, let me tell you, everything is in the spirit. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you lose. But let me tell you what's happening in the spirit realm. If, we, if you could just take a glimpse, if God could transform you and open the window and see what happened, you would see Jesus walking around hell and heaven and parading them on a chain. Devil, Lucifer, all these demons and all these sorcerers and all these uh, unclean spirits and he's parading them and he's got them all and they're chained to the and they're just walking because he paraded them the bible says he triumphed over them just like a roman soldier would do in a battle that's what jesus did and made it known listen the bible says he made it known and made it because it's a public spectacle. you know he made it public and when he rose from the dead he says now i have all authority and i give it unto you and someone say amen Let's pray. Lord, we love you. You are the victory. You didn't just get the victory. You are victory. You don't just give us healing. You are the healer. You are our salvation. You are our life. You disarm principalities and powers. And rulers of darkness have nothing on us. Why? Because you have already won the victory. Can someone say amen? We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the cross. It all came from the cross. Everything against us was wiped clean at the cross. Any punishment we deserved was taken by him on the cross. And the life that you gave us was because of the resurrection. And we thank you, Father. But you have set us free. You know, the Bible says, for freedom's sake, you are free. The world needs us free. Why? Because there's too many people in bondage that need to be free. The world needs us free. What's the Bible say? The earth travails, awaiting the sons of God to be revealed. He's not talking about a male. He's talking about the children of God to be revealed on this earth. That's why we don't conform to this world, but we transform by the renewing of our mind. And the first one is that you need to know the devil has been defeated in your life. Stop giving him permission. Stop giving him uh, legal right because he has no rights. There is no right. You have been found innocent. 
And we declare that, we decree that by the word of faith. That we leave here today, Father, that you would speak our hearts. Speak to us, Father. Speak to us. No magic wonder we can, we can, there's no sprinkling, there's no hand lay, there's nothing we can do other than to believe what your word says. And I thank you for the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. But the God that came to us is the God that lives within us. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit, our teacher that you'd cast him down, the devil of old, that we may live in the heavenly realms, in a victorious life, that our words have authority, that we pray, that we do not pray amiss. We thank you for your wonderful grace. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us and makes us as white as snow. Justified just as if we have never sinned. Righteous. The, the judge in heaven has gone, this is my verdict. Innocent. Because of the blood of Jesus, you are innocent. Walk in your God-given right. It's the life of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that you're with us in us, and you work through us. I love you, Jesus. I pray a blanket prayer over every blessing here, that everyone, that may the Lord's face shine upon you. He will be gracious to you. As we lift up hands to him, and we thank him for his goodness. And his mercy is new every morning. You know, every morning you wake up, there's new mercy for you. God doesn't run out of mercy. We run out of mercy. He doesn't. He's eternal. He is the merciful one. We thank you for that. We pray this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, bless you guys. We kept it short because I know it's a long weekend. We want you to go and have a good time. Quick, what time's the game start? Um, Joking, joking. Bless you guys. We're back on Wednesday. Keep safe.